0: Program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast.
1: Share Your Hotness.
0: Now, here's your host.
1: Lita Green. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host Lita Green and my guest, Shahar, 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 I wanted to say it right and I said it wrong. (laughs) Shahar. Shahar. So you said Sarah with an H and then I wanted to make it the Sahara Desert. I wanted to make it hard. Shahar. Hutchinson, which that was easier. Hutchinson works. Okay. And so for, um, we connected many, many years ago. I'm just teasing. A few days ago on LinkedIn, I put up um, a post and you commented to it and connected with me. And for those of you who have not tried to connect with me on LinkedIn, I send a really rude statement to people. (laughs) I'm like, don't spam me. Like if that's your intention and it's worked a hundred percent to cut down on the spam, having a clear boundary, because then some people will be like, what do you mean? What's spam? And then they send me a bunch of, you know, their links and buy this and let's set up a call. And I'm like, we just met like, you're going to come up to me and be like, Hey, let's have sex. That's what it was. The equivalency when we were 20. Right. And we didn't like it when boys did that. So I just like professionally, I'm like boundary let's actually connect. And then we started talking and you sent me because we you actually looked at my profile. I'm also outlining good networking here that you did. Uh, look at this thing we have in common. We're both um, TEDx speakers. And I was like, dude, send it to me. And such an awesome story. I was like, you got to come on my podcast. So we want to make sure everyone goes and listens to your TEDx talk so that they, you get those hits on your, your TEDx. So don't give the whole talk. But let's go into the topic and kind of the deeper, the deeper stuff. So people are all like salivating to go listen to your TEDx.
0: Yeah. So thanks for having me, Lita. So my TEDx is about my journey to have my son. It's actually called, um, it takes a village. It took me eight years, uh, four rounds of IVF and just multiple losses to have, have my son. And after going through that experience, One of the things that went through my mind was there are other people, right. Who are going through this and I want to be able to speak out and help them and let them know they weren't alone because when I was going through it, I felt like I was alone, even though I wasn't right. Like, so I wasn't sharing what I was going through. I wasn't expressing it until towards the end of the journey. And so like, I felt like, had I known this or that earlier, you know, I would have, um, I would have felt maybe a little more supported. It was just because I was being secluded to myself with my husband. And so um, I wanted to speak out and just share the emotions that you go through when, um, when you're trying to conceive. And I I look at it like this leader, right? I I think you, the the situation I went through to have my son can be correlated to any situation, right? We all are We all want something in life. We all want to reach some sort of goal. Mine at the time just happened to be, I wanted to have a child and there were obstacles in between that. And so um, if you have a goal to have something and there's an obstacle, right? Um, You keep trying, you keep trying, and then you get to the place where you're like, do I really want this? And that's kind of where, where I was in my journey. Um, And I wanted to be able to express that to people to say, what do you do? When the thing that you want is not happening, but you still want it.
1: Ah, yeah. You know know Uh what I
0: mean? And so during that time, I was telling myself, you know, after each obstacle, after each loss, after everything that would happen, I would say, but I still want to be a mom. Like I still want it. And so since I still want it, I am going to try whatever is in my power
1: to, to do that. Um, and sister, you know, I, uh, also went through a hard time getting kids. My journey was miscarriages and, uh, people would be like, you know, this, this is too hard. Why are you doing this to yourself? You know, you don't have to become a mom. You don't have to, you know, as you say, go to that op- through that obstacle. And that's true. I had a choice and I was doing this to myself and with IVF, there's a lot of side effects, right. Of that. What are some of those side effects? I'll let it come from you. Well,
0: besides taking, you know, you, you take number one, if you have a regimented sex, right? So it's like side effect is a schedule because now that's you're always like, All sexy, right, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, it is two o'clock on Thursday, and my calendar says that you need to be, you know. So okay, is it
1: that specific, like a certain time?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Now, oh, so wow. depending on depending on how you do IVF, if you're doing like a timed time cycle, like what, like a natural. I guess IVF really let me let me back up. Okay So infer- there there are multiple ways to conceive when you are struggling with infertility. So you can do like timed intercourse where um you take medications that you would take for IVF, all the hormones and all that, and then you have time intercourse. Um and then timed intercourse
1: meaning at a specific time. Specific time, yes, not a time limit. limit. Right. Not a time limit. As long as you want, just (laughs) make the investment, baby, make the investment.
0: Exactly. But when you do IVF, essentially what they're doing is they're controlling your cycle. So the doctor's controlling it. So you're taking medicine for six to eight weeks, however long your calendar is. And you're taking shots, you're taking pills, you're taking different medications. And because they're stimulating you with extra hormones, you get extra bloated right? You may have some mood swings, floating, you, you the may, curse yeah. of
1: all women. Yes.
0: They <laughs> have like cramps or different things. And you may feel like you're pregnant and you're not because they pumped you with all these hormones. Um, and then the emotional side effects, right. Of going through a process like that, taking, um, all of the hormones and the, the prescriptions that they give you doing all the, 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 timed, uh, doctor's appointments where they're uh, evaluating you and all of that. Um, and then the day comes when everything is, you know, they're, they're the perfect timing and they join the sperm with the egg and then insert it inside of you. Right. With no guarantee that you're going to get pregnant. Uh, so then it's the side effect also of the weight, you know, like,
1: is this going to work? And then you have to wait 10 days. So There's the weight gain potentially <laughs> yes. or at least feeling heavier because of the weight, the weight bloatingness. Yes. And the W.A it, the waiting for what you want.
0: Yes. Yes. That's right. a good, good way to put it. Yeah. And so both of the weights, right. Means that you're carrying, carrying something extra,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Which taxes our system physically, emotionally, literally it's taxing. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm going to ask an inappropriate question. You ready? Cause we go I'm back. Ready. We go way, way back. Like we have so much trust in our long-term relationship that we have. So are you allowed, since they have this timed sex thing, are you allowed to engage in that activity or do you have to wait to make sure the sperm counts the highest? So not engaging. So
0: they do tell you like, okay, so you can have sex up to a, to a certain point. And I think it's like within a couple of days of your. Uh, the the what they call the transfer where the where the you, transfer. The, they, yeah, they so just,
1: that's yeah. when a man and a woman love each other and they come together for a very technical transfer. Okay, got a it. A very technical
0: transfer, right? And so he needs to to store up those sperm. You right. Know, well, that's to some- be ready. Right. Like. You want to get all the millions of sperm, as many as possible so that one of them can, well, several of them can make it because Mm. what happens is when they give you all of the, the the hormones for the woman, normally one egg is released, right? Every month. Well, um, with the medicines, they want to make as many eggs mature as possible. And so they want to fertilize as many as possible, which means like you want, I guess, as many sperm as possible. We need lots of good swimmers. Yeah. And it's like you may have let's just say you have 20, 20 eggs and there's 20 million sperm. I don't know. You know, like and
1: (laughs) (laughs) right? No, you're like, why did you ask this? (laughs) I have lived among the deaf culture. So to me, there are no bad questions except for people who are not ready to ask you a question, right? Like if you just go up to somebody, be like, So did you time your sex? (laughs) That's a weird. But if I say, can I ask you, see, totally different. And I said, Um, yes. So that meant I was okay. Yeah. So you were in, you, you bought in, right? So you have this dynamic with your spouse where typically, you know, we're kind of, you know, my husband and I, we go on a date every Friday, you know, unless I'm speaking somewhere or something. And um, so you're, are you trying to like plan the romance to line up or like deny, like, don't, don't you flirt with me? Don't don't flirt with me because it is Tuesday and we don't get a flirt tell or transfer until Thursday. I mean, you know, how does that work? Well, yeah. So it, it, it,
0: during the cycle, right. You do, everything is time and you do want to, I don't want to say like do it perfectly, but you want to make sure you adhere to it. Cause I didn't mention the other weight, the financial weight. So it costs.
1: Oh, well, yeah. So it's yeah. like,
0: Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Oh, I thought it one, was like
1: ten grand. It's gone up. Well, it's inflation right now. Everything. In, in, is. <laughs> yeah, in,
0: inflation and depending on the medications that you need, right? Like, so your cycle, the, the physical aspects of it may be like ten thousand, but then the medications that you need to pay for, um, also have a, a hefty cost with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And and so
0: when you pay all that money and you put all that effort in and you're timing everything then it's, it's like a job, right? It's like, all right, I got to clock in at this time. Right? We can't do that. Perform <laughs> buddy, perform. We can't waste our money. You better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and, 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 and so that fun. sounds like the definition. And I'm shaking my head. No of sexy because it's a, uh, I, I can relate in this, that I had a pregnancy that God was like, you need to go forward. And when my husband and I were coming together for the transfer, see how I <laughs> use those words. Yeah. I literally felt like there was angels in the room witnessing this happening. And I'm like, what y'all doing here? You know, like, why is this? Cause you know, I'm naked. This is intimate. And it wasn't in a voyeuristic sense, but it was so peaceful to me later because things ended up, um, you know, not my time for the story, but my daughter ended up dying. It was really good to know that God wanted this to happen, right? Like this was a gift to me. And so to have this, you know, huge weight of the financial, the, the weight gain, the weighting of wanting, and now, you know, you've got the other part of, you've kind of stripped away the fun of it, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling like you have to show up and the biggest sex organ is the one between our ears.
0: Yeah. And, and, and then. After you, after you transfer, right? Then you can you you. This is going to be
1: my new word. Can I? I don't know. Have you guys transferred?
0: Well, you know, I'm going to ask him tonight. Like, you you transfer. He's like, transfer.
1: Yeah, I mean, is that the IVF term?
0: Because I don't know why I'm
1: making it funny. Yes. So he no, like, don't talk to me about that.
0: No, it re- it really is. So they they because they join the sperm and the egg, and then they transfer it into you, um, and then in hopes that it'll attach to your uterus. Okay. So
1: when you're talking to these doctors, are they like, cause they're, they're clinical, right? They're like, so on Thursday at two o'clock when the transfer begins, is it because you think, get the feeling that they're too uncomfortable to say normal words? Like we need him to, you know, ejaculate millions of sperm. Do they avoid all kinds of words like that and have their own? or is it just, no? I think, it's just,
0: I think it's just very clinical. You have a whole calendar. Like I said, it's a, like a six to eight week process with all your medications lined out by week, the regimen, how much you're taking, um, the estimated time of your, I forgot. There's another term I need to teach you Okay. Retrie, re, the retrieval. Okay. <laughs> so there's a retrieval and then there's a transfer. So okay, well, <laughs> let's
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a little panting dog here. What's retrieval?
0: <laughs> so, the, so after taking all of those medications and getting as many eggs as possible to mature, then you do the retrieval, which is when they go into you with a needle and retrieve all the eggs out of your ovaries. So that are they mature. come
1: in. They come in from the undercarriage, or they come in through the the skin.
0: They come in through the uh, un- the opening, they come yeah. in under
1: whatever. You, come, I was being funny. They, they, um, they come in where the babies come out. They come in <laughs> vaginally. Okay. Got it. We can use yeah. those words. I just wanted to use a funny yeah. word because, and then you're yeah. like, I don't know what that word means. The doctor has not explained that to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
0: yes, yeah, so they, yeah. they, and, and this, there's like a long, I would mean if we had video, I would, I would try to like demonstrate, but it's like, I, I don't know how long the needle is, but they have to go all the way up there and reach to your
1: so, uterus, eight, like,
0: 10, 12 inches? Probably. Yeah. To to clamp, clamp your cervix to go up there and then go, and then they suck out each uh, mature egg. And that's the retrieval process. And then that's so that, the day that's where that's always
1: fun for people who've not had a pap smear or things other than what they want to go up there going in. And it can be painful. And it's, you know, frankly, it's just kind of the ultimate vulnerability, right? Yeah, And then again, we're hoping something's worked here. Right. And and at that point,
0: really, you're just hoping that the mature eggs will fertilize at that point. So when they go and and they retrieve, that's the day when... Big day for for my husband, right? Like he 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 had he. I went through all the medication for seven eight weeks and doing all this stuff, and then his day, he just gets to get excited and, and produce and, and all
1: the for sperm the, excited for the transfer, excited for the transfer, okay. and
0: and to you know, uh, and and the transfer doesn't happen until a few days
1: after. But he did have treatment. to hold off. He did have to, yes, you know, a little bit. Yes, of, he did. He yes. You know? So um, it's not just all fun for him. You have six weeks, seven weeks of pain. He has to be like for two days. That's a big job. That's a big <laughs> job. You're right. You know what? I need to be considerate. No, I I'm be- being sarcastic. I'm like, You know, <laughs> it's so funny. You know how people be like, we are pregnant. And I'm like, good. I'm glad you're taking responsibility for this life. But it's, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of gritty work making a baby. Yes. Yeah. Especially you know, the just schedule. under normal circumstances. Yeah. So it's, it's a big job. Yeah. Okay. So he gets all, you were about to say how he gets all excited. This is yeah, the yeah, big so, reveal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he, he contributes his part. Um, and then, and, and meanwhile, I got this nine inch needle pulling my eggs out. Right. And they, they join them and then, um, it's, um, you have to wait for a phone call within 24 hours. So they join them and then they call you the next day to tell you how many eggs they were able to fertilize. So you're like, they'll tell you the day of how many eggs they got that they, and, and they hope that they're mature. Right. And so like in the next day, they tell you how many were mature and how many
1: fertilized. So they've so they, taken the eggs out of you, examined yes. them without damaging them. Right. And then they got to put them back in according to how many you say you want to try for. Well, because, typically
0: they want to just transfer one unless okay. we, a reason for them to transfer another one. And so once, once the retrieval happens, they join the, they fertilize or whatever, they tell you how many they are. And then they usually plan to implant one, maybe two, depending on the circumstance. And then if you have any leftover, they freeze them. And so I actually have five frozen babies, um, that you could there. just,
1: you could I fly them to Mars. I could do, yeah. Who knows what you know, yeah, right?
0: I could do whatever I want with them, and so yeah. Um, how
1: old's your son now? He's three. Okay, so you know you're in the. I mean, I'm in Utah. You know, we they multiply and replenish here. You know, we like have the babies. I um, always congratulate people with big families for keeping the numbers up because I slacked the numbers. You know, I'm national birth averages of two point two kids. Isn't that terrible? Because I have two living children. You know, right? So, are you planning on having more? Or are you I don't know? No, you're not in Utah. You have choices. I, I, but in I have Utah, choices. And free. That's like people in Utah would come up to you every day and go, "Girl, when you get another one?" Yeah, and, you know? and it's it's a, it's
0: a good point that you bring up, right? Like because that, that question comes up, and when you have struggled with infertility or having, you know, like having trying to conceive and it's been difficult, or you've had multiple losses, right? Like for me, I don't have any fallopian tubes, so I cannot get pregnant naturally. The only way that I can get pregnant is if we go through another medical procedure to unthaw one of the little frozen embryos and then transfer, right? In, and hope and pray that it sticks. So for me, when I when I think about that intellectually, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think I want another child, but emotionally and just right. everything else, I wonder to myself, you know, after going through eight years, four rounds of IVF, we had a second trimester loss with Ugh. as well, an ectopic pregnancy. We had multiple, so like miscarriages, yeah, just I all that you. stuff in yeah. my mind. I wonder, and we have our son. He is such a blessing and I'm so happy to have him. Can you um, do
1: that again?
0: That's exactly what like and right. like, my friends and family, they asked me and I'm like, I, I know that I did this before, right? I just don't know if I want to do that again with no guarantee of what's mm-hmm. on the other end. And can I, you ever go through a situation where you get through it and you're like, Whoa, huh.
1: and then you're like, I you mean, like my twenties like, and thirties. Yeah. You're like,
0: but I don't know <laughs> that I would do that again. Um, and so right. that, that's kind of yeah. how I feel about it. I kind of do want another child. It's just that I need to figure out, do I want to do what it takes Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and here's what I told one of my friends a few, few weeks ago. I'm like, you know, cause she asked me the same question. I'm like, you know what, if, if God wants me to have another child, maybe somebody will just drop a baby on my porch and say, you know what, something happened. We
1: can't, you know, like we're not taking care of this kid and, and here. Um, and I actually have a friend that that is happening to currently. So she's, they're having to go through the whole part of legal adoption, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But this family's like, we want you to, you know, it's just crazy. Right. So I'm just going to ask, you know, the, the deaf part, if I were a deaf person question, so you pay to have the whole medication set up for the first part for the mm-hmm. seven to eight weeks, then the transfer, then the, the imp- pulling out and then implanting the retrieval back and the in. transfer, yes. right. The retrieval and transfer. And then you have these eggs frozen. Are you paying like a monthly fee to keep these yes. eggs frozen? Yes, okay. So actually- then you got to pay again for them to put it back in. You got to, do you have to do the whole hormone thing again, since they've already harvested the eggs.
0: So it is a condensed process after that. So since the, since the embryos are already frozen and we already went through the stimulation of eggs and all that um, we still would need to take some sort of hormones like estrogen and progesterone and stuff like that, because to control your cycle so that your uterus lining can be thick enough to transfer an embryo in hopes of it sticking. Cause okay, like so there is a science to like your body accepting an embryo.
1: You had four failed, which, you know, four failed transfers, four yeah. failed
0: transfers. But those
1: are miscarriages, right? I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Um. So how would I define it? Because just I, be like, you had a baby that was in your body that was growing and it didn't take that's a miscarriage because you know, there's the natural abortive process when things are not coming together just right. That mm-hmm. I had seven miscarriages, you know, but the day you're pregnant and then the day you're not, that's yeah. in between the two as hell. Right. So you each time that you were impregnated with your own egg and the sperm because of all that working, you had to pay for that.
0: Yes. Well, so the whole <laughs>
1: entire process one time is like 15 grand and then you're paying the monthly fee for your eggs being stored plus any attempts you want to do additionally
0: yeah so let me let me rewind so the first time we did ivf we had one additional embryo leftover so we transferred two the first time and we that ba- those babies did not survive right um, i didn't get pregnant we had one more left over so we did another a, what they call a frozen embryo transfer which is still a process but a condensed version and at a lesser fee right Um, And then that didn't work. And so then after that um, we were praying and we were, we were believing that we were going to have a child. And in fact, during that time, we didn't have any embryos at all left um, after that second transfer. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something in faith. So we went and bought a crib and we put the crib together right. And set up the baby room. And I'm like, one day there's going to be a baby in here.
1: I did the same thing. Did you? No I did. There was this crib and I love antique vintage things. And there was this crib and it was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And it was like 300 bucks. And we didn't have a ton of money. Um, and I was like, I can't buy that. Cause I'm not pregnant. Even though I'd been pregnant and was trying to have a kid. And then I was like, you know what I'm going to be. And I set that up like a little shrine to my pitiful state in a room in our, our house. And I would walk by it and I'd be like, I'm going to fill it. I'm going to fill it. And some people just thought that was like really weird that I did that, but it was, you know, a very clear vision board. Wasn't it? Yeah. Whatever, you know,
0: helps you. Some people depending on where you are mentally and emotionally, it could be what people call a trigger, right? A trigger to like have a breakdown and remind you of what you don't have. But I use it as a trigger to say like, this is what I am going to have. And ironically, the, within four to six months of putting that crib up, we got pregnant naturally. We got pregnant naturally. And then we went to um, the first ultrasound and went into the ultrasound room, and they uh, put the little thing—you know, the, what is it—the little wand up there to look around. And they were cold looking, jelly,
1: the wand. cold jelly, cold yep. jelly
0: wand, all that stuff. And you know, looked on one side, didn't see the baby. Looked on the other side, didn't see it. And then moved around a little bit, like, oh, there it is. And so I'm looking on the screen, and I see this perfectly formed little tadpole baby with a little heartbeat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, and so in my mind, right? Like when you're believing for those who pray, right? Like um, I, you know, I'm a person that I, I, I pray and I was believing. So I was thinking at the moment, this is my miracle, right? Like this, like all of that after two failed transfers that I got pregnant naturally and I put my crib together. And so then as those thoughts were swirling through my mind, and I'm smiling. I look at the doctor and she wasn't. And oh. so I'm like, oh. I'm like, what is going on here? Right. And she looks at me and said, Cheryl, you know, that there is a, you know, perfectly formed baby in there. It's just in the wrong place. It was growing in my tubes, um, it's which meant permanent. that the very, and, and, and so let me rewind and tell you the story about how I even found that out, because I think it's, it's pertinent to, to just share. Um, remind you, I had already had two failed cycles, right that I told you about two failed transfers uh, with IVF. and I knew that my tubes were blocking that I could not get pregnant naturally. And so what what I was doing in the weight was not necessarily believing that I was going to get pregnant naturally, but believing that, we were going to have a way to pay for another round of IVF because we didn't have any more money after right. after those two. Right. Right. And, and just having faith for that.
1: Because most so, people of childbearing age
0: just have 20 grand laying around. <laughs> right. And so um, so that's kind of what I was thinking. And so one day I was at home and at the time I was in school and I was sitting down doing some homework and I literally heard in my mind, go get a pregnancy test. And I was like, go get a pre like just as clear as day. And I was like, why would I get a pregnancy test when I can't get pregnant naturally? I got up from my seat. You're like, I dr- I drove to the store. I got a pregnancy test. I took it and immediately two lines showed up, and I was just I went ballistic. And I'm like, oh my gosh! So I'm sharing, telling everybody, just like the miracle happened, so on and so forth. And so, um, so anyway, fast forward back to the doctor. Um, she was asking me like, you didn't know that you were pregnant. You weren't in any pain. Now, mind you, I think. I was like measuring it like seven and a half weeks. And so they were number one, wondering why I didn't feel any pain. And number two, that it didn't burst because, you know, an ectopic pregnancy can kill you. It can burst, right. rupture and cause internal bleeding. And so that premonition that I had while I was sitting down um, <sighs> to tell me to go get a pregnancy test, I believe was to save my life. You know what I mean? Yes. Or prevent Because I would never have like literally I just, wreck the womb. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because it, it
1: could cost your life. Worst case scenario, normal scenario, from what I understand, I'm not an expert on transfers, um, but, you know, if you have an atopic pregnancy burst, it can literally destroy your womb's ability to carry a child safely. Yeah. I
0: I don't know all of the effects. I do know about the internal bleeding, but yeah. And so after that, I shifted my mind and I was devastated, right. To lose, lose yeah. that baby. Yeah. But number one, it told me that I can get pregnant. And so I chose to shift my mindset and think about, okay, no, I didn't get what I wanted at this moment, but what do I have? I have knowledge now that I can get pregnant because up to that point, I had those two transfers with perfectly good embryos and a perfectly good womb wondering, can I even have an embryo attached to my uterus and get pregnant? And so it was proven that I can get pregnant. Number two, I felt like, okay. If I thought to myself, right, like go get a pregnancy test. I felt like it was a divine thing to say like, hey, let me preserve you because uh, you are going to have a child. And so I chose to focus on that. And that actually gave me the, the impotence to keep moving forward.
1: Oh, I um, love it. I love it. Um, I, I, I'm just going to, my belief, I had seven miscarriages of four of those, um, you know, failed pregnancies, right. Mm -hmm. Um, what medical science is like, Oh, it wasn't meant to be. I feel that the soul of who that, you know, child of God is that God entrusted to me to be their mother came into that body that was growing inside of me. And for the time that I had that child, I nourished them. Mm -hmm. I took care of them. And that has brought me a lot of peace because I'm still their mom. I'm still attached to them. And you know what, you know, the cosmic connection, right. You know, heaven. Mm -hmm. And that someday I will get to not only see them with my eyes, but I'll get to recognize that they were those guardian angels around me. And I'll go, Oh, that moment, you know, how we talk about muses. Mm -hmm. Who who better to be my muses. Right. Right. Than these spirits that chose to be my kid. And, you know, having a body is awesome, but that all of us have a different journey, right? Mm-hmm. And they had that body for a time. So I don't know if that's like um, a, an affront to what you believe or what the um, audience believes, but that is something that has comforted me in my losses that I feel that out of four of my pregnancies from spiritual impressions I had and you know, all of this, that those four are entities that exist, you know, as a spirit. And those are my kids. So, um, that little, that story, you know, that child, I just kind of hear God being like, I'm giving you this because you want it.
0: Yeah. The good God. Right. Yeah. And, you know, throughout my whole journey, I've had things happen to me that I feel were like just spiritual to let me know, like, yes, I'm, I'm going to have my son. So the one was with the ectopic and I'll share just to your point, just talking about the spiritual aspect, um, what happened. So that's, so two, two losses, right. With the uh, failed transfers, the ectopic pregnancy, and then we do IVF a third time. And, uh, and th- this time it's a, a full cycle again, because we didn't have any um, any embryos left from the first round and we got pregnant, uh, that time, like that third transfer got pregnant and I was so excited. Now, mind you, prior to that, with the ectopic, we went to our first ultrasound and got the bad news. So I was I didn't allow myself to get excited until we went to the first appointment, went to the first appointment. We saw that there was a perfectly formed baby growing in the right spot. And I'm like, all right. And then we went to the next appointment. And the baby was growing fine. And the next appointment, by the fourth appointment, um, the baby was growing fine. But by that time, I was in my second trimester, and I started to have like cramps and you know some bleeding. And I'm like, "What is going on?" And I was talking to the doctors back and forth, and they kept doing ultrasounds, and they could see the ba- the fully formed baby just playing around, jumping around, and like everything's fine. Um, and shortly after that, we lost the baby in the second trimester, and mm-hmm. I was completely devastated. And I was, I was Crushed because number one, because of everything that I had been through up until that point, but number two, remember I told you we didn't have any money, right? So I had found a way to work. Uh, I found out that Starbucks covers IVF treatments at 100% for part time workers who average 20 hours a week uh, for 90 days, right? And so I had a full time job, corporate job that I was working, leading at, right? And I was in school, I was working in ministry, and somehow I found a way to work at Starbucks for 20 hours a week. And I was, I was, I was wore down. I was tired, but when I want something like nothing can stop me. And so I did all that. And so, so in my mind, right, I felt like I put in over 120 hours a week, right? Like working and doing all this stuff. Why even let me get pregnant if I'm going to lose the baby? So I was furious. I'm like, how, you know, how can this happen? And I remember having a a meltdown and I just yelled out really loud, like I'm not in control. And it was at that (laughs) moment, right. I realized, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not in control. I can't make myself get pregnant. I can't make myself, uh, retain a pregnancy. And while I was in the hospital, um, the nurse came into the hospital. And, I, and now that I'm telling the story again, I need to find this nurse. Uh, but anyway, that's, enough, no, right, write that down right now, write yeah, down you, her name I'm right gonna, now. Write like, down. Yeah. I don't even know her name. I need to find out who she is. Yeah. So write that down. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if
1: Anything yeah. like mine, it's like do yeah. it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so I need to find her, but so she came into my hospital room and she, so there's two things that she said to me. The first thing was, um, she saw me just sobbing and crying and, she was like, you know, wow, my daughter lives in, I think she told me her daughter lives in Colorado and her daughter was my age and her daughter had had like six or seven miscarriages and that um, she was getting ready to adopt the child. Right. And then right before the adoption took place, the the birth mother changed her mind. And so after her daughter's husband and her got, you know, every the room situated and all that. So it was kind of like losing a child because you yeah. prepared for the child.
1: So she no, said it's me. totally, it's yeah. totally the same. It's I losing, mean, yeah. you yeah. W- wanted and hope for something. And then it was ripped away. I mean, yeah, R- rip we don't away call and it, and it a miscarriage. We don't call it a failed pregnancy. What do you, what do they call it in the IVF world? Yeah.
0: Pregnancy, a a chemical pregnancy. There's all kinds of terms. Regardless, you, you lost your child. That was yours that you had hoped and and planned for. And so she said, until she saw me, she didn't realize the emotional toll that it took on her daughter because they live so, so far apart. Right. So like when you talk to your child on the phone, they tell you about the miscarriage. If you haven't experienced that, you don't always connect that emotion, right. With what's actually happening. So she was able to see that through me. Um, and so then she said, do you mind if I share your, you know, this with my daughter? And I said, you know, go right ahead. Well, after I talked to her, the chaplain comes into my room. Now, mind you, this is the same day that, um, that we lost the baby. Right. And he comes in the room and he's like, do you want to, uh, get a death certificate for the baby? Do you want to have a Sarah, cere- like right afterwards? Right. And I'm sobbing. And I was like, I'm not even ready to answer this question. And then I was like, I don't even know if the baby was a boy or a girl. Cause they didn't bring the, ba- they hadn't brought the baby to me to see or anything like that. Right. Right. And so he said, well, I'll find out for you oh. and, and come back. He said, but did you have names picked out? And I said, uh, actually I did because mind you, we had been on the journey already yeah. by for, by this point, what, six years. And so, so, um, we had Todd picked out, which my husband's name is Todd. So we, if it was a boy, we were going to name him Todd Jr. If it's a girl, we, would, we were going to name her Tori, which is a derivative of vict- victory. And yeah, so we had, yeah. we had those names picked out for years. So the chaplain leaves after me telling him the names and he leaves out of my room, the nurse comes back in and she's crying. And I'm like thinking to myself, what is wrong with this nurse? Right. <laughs> like
1: be uh, professional. Yeah. Right? So she's
0: sobbing and, th- and, and th- this is and like you're emotionally vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. I, I'm emotionally yeah. vulnerable. And I'm wondering why is she crying? And so she runs into my room sobbing and she says, you know what? you were meant to be in here today. She said, my daughter's name is Tori and her husband's name is Todd. And she said, and, and, and I, this is, and, and every time I tell it, I get chills and I got chills oh. in there. And she said, you need to worship God. And there is purpose in this. And at the time I'll be honest, I was like purpose. What, you know, like I didn't want to hear it. Um, she's like, I don't care what you have to do, uh, Close this door and get to your happy place because there is purpose in it. And when she left out of the room, I was still angry, but a little piece of me knew that okay, God is speaking to me because there is no way that I lost this baby at this exact time, ended up in this exact room with this exact nurse whose son, whose son-in-law, and daughter has the names that I picked out for my child. And so I was able to rationalize that too many
1: that. coincidences. Too many to coincidences. Just,
0: yeah. So you know what I did? Yeah. What? When the chaplain came back, I said, I'm not naming the baby. I said, I don't have any other names. I only have the two names that I picked out. He told me that it was a boy. And I said, I'm going to save the name Todd for when I have my child. Uh, and, and when she told me that it gave me the peace to say, I'm not, and, and I'm not a person, I'm a planner. So I'm not a person just make stuff up. Right. And so I wasn't going to make up a name just to make up a name.
1: Right. have you since
0: named that child? No. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I never have. And so, and I felt like I had peace with that. And I was like, I'm saving my names. And I think what, what, what that was communicating to me is that, okay, one day you are going to have a child or these children. So when you asked me about having another child, so now I have my son who is Todd Jr. Right. And he's three years old, but I do still have a name for Tori, a little girl. So I don't know if, if one day I will transfer an embryo and, you know, have a little girl toy or, or if somebody will drop a little girl named Tori off on my, on my porch one day. I don't well, know. if
1: anyone has a little girl and they're in the Ohio area or not willing to travel, um, I'll get you, I'll get you, my friend. <laughs> share address, which I don't have yet. She may be like, don't girl, I'm not giving you my address. <laughs> oh my heavens. I, I joke that one of the reasons I moved to Utah is because there's so many children here. Surely I could steal one or two, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but everybody wants them back. It's so selfish of them. You know, so they selfish. have so much and I have so little of babyness. So why aren't they willing to give me some of theirs? And they have seven, some of them, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And when when I, when I drop my son off places, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to go out and have fun. And then all I can think about while I'm out is like, I want to get back to him.
1: (laughs) Yes. My, um, let me tell you, being a parent is the hardest and the best and the most wonderful job. And I am incredibly thankful that for me, not saying this is the case with everyone, of course, but that it was hard for me to become a parent because I did a better job than I would have. I was more intentional and more Mm -hmm. focused and more willing to make the sacrifices in my own career and capacity in that sense. than I would have been, had it been difficult to me? I was the kid that in high school had a briefcase because I knew I was going places. Right. And you know, I made career adjustments around my children and I do not regret that at all. And I'm super irritated that I'm going to be an empty nester at 49. I think that's super rude. Um, (laughs) But I know that it made me better than I would have been at this really hard, amazing job. Um, Okay, so, okay, we've got a lot here. And I wanted to go back to when you were talking about people asking if you're going to have another. Because um, I think that in society... You know, we get this idea in our head of what the perfect family looks like. So in New Hampshire, that's a boy and a girl in Utah, that's five kids, you know, right, right? We have different things, but even more nuanced than that, we want to have other people have what we have, right? So if somebody's got a couple of kids, they want you to go for one more. If they've got three and the people who are like, oh, you have one, right? Like there's all these different opinions that people mm-hmm. put in. And the truth of it is when you're going through that, what is the thing you need people to say to you? Not what's the next step for you? What's the thing? Cause I know what my answer is, you know, that I'm, you know, it was for me financially um, doing in vitro wouldn't have worked. We, my, my, husband was in school, you know, we were in the military and it basically at the time would cost our salary. And I didn't know about Starbucks, you know, I don't even drink coffee. I would have gone and worked at Starbucks if I'd known. Right. And then we weren't eligible for adoption because of um, some health issues that, you know, knock on word, we're good. But the only way for me to become a parent was to keep trying this way. Mm -hmm. And for me, giving up on becoming a parent was more painful of a weight, you know, as in a burden. Right. than the continued losses. So what was what would you wish the answer be if people would say to you, why are you doing this? You shouldn't do more or when are you doing more, <laughs> right? Because there's those two sides of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I always come
0: from the perspective that people mean well, right? I think when someone asks you a question or they say something, you have to understand that they don't always know what you have encountered, they don't always know what you've experienced and they're coming from a good place. So I think first and foremost, as the person receiving the question, you have to start there and not get offended just because somebody says something and assume that they meant it with ill intent when they didn't know. Right. 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 Um, So that's step number one. Number two, for the person, I think when you become aware that, you know, one in every eight couples struggles with infertility. And you realize that this is bigger than just like a small issue than just wanting to understand and asking questions, uh, in a different way. So, so maybe depending on if you have a relative, right. That, um, at, at, doesn't have any children. Right. And, and you have a holiday dinner. Some of the people in the infertility community say like, they don't like going to family and holiday events because, you know, that's the time when everybody's like, you don't have any kids yet. When are you having kids? When are you going to have another one? And if you're going through something like that, right. You don't want to say, well, actually I just lost a baby in the second trimester. You know what I mean? Or actually I've been trying for seven years and it hasn't worked or actually I just had seven miscarriages. Right. So. And
1: different people are going to answer that differently. Some people will tell you, some won't. And that doesn't mean the person who expresses themselves with what they've gone through is in less or more pain. It's just different people have different communication styles and it's not necessarily yours. Right, because my,
0: my thing that, that I would say when people ask me would be like, well, when it's meant to be, it will be, right? Oh. Like, uh, it'll happen. Like I would say that, but in the back of my mind, what I really thought was, I don't know if it'll ever happen for me right? So like, I wasn't forthright with what I was going through. I was just giving just a, 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 a shallow answer. Just like, don't try to go deep into my heart. Cause I don't feel like talking about it. But after the third, the third time around with, when we lost the baby in the second trimester, by that time I had begun to share my journey. And much like you, where somebody came to you and asked, you know, why are you doing this? Someone came to me and, and said like, why are you spending all this money and working this extra job? And, you know, we've had all these losses, you know, why don't you just adopt a child? And I am, my response was number one, I'm not against adoption. I'm adopted myself. And so I am all for that. I think that there are plenty of children out there whose parents uh, may not be able to take care of them and that they could have a set of parents who would, but, I also believe in whatever the vision that I had for myself, right? And, and my vision was doing everything that I felt was possible to have a biological child. And so I asked myself, because um, I always think about the future. I told you, I think I'm always planning that if I, if I got to the age of 80, right? When I, my, my eggs were all hard boiled and cracked and they, they, they weren't, you know, they weren't, hard boil. They, weren't, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't functioning. Right.
1: Um, and you've been and, paying and that monthly fee that whole and time. I've been
0: pay, yeah. Well, at, yeah. and I've been paying, Well, at that point, I, I didn't even have the embryos frozen. Like, so that at that cycle where we lost the baby, I was back to ground zero with nothing and no money again. So we'll, that's a whole nother story. Right. But I asked myself if I got to be 80 years old and I did not give everything that I personally had because everybody's different and everybody's threshold is different. Would I regret it? And when I fast forwarded, I believed that I would. And so I said to myself, I'm going to try one more time. Right. And so people don't always understand when you have a desire for something and there's like a burning, like, you know, burning sensation on the inside that I can't rest until I get this. You may not be able to understand how I can keep going, but the only thing that keeps me going is the fact that I can see that I'm going to have what I said I'm going to have. And so because of that, I tried another time and I got pregnant with my son and went through the whole pregnancy and had him, but I was open and willing to have a child. But in fact, I actually defined for myself what it meant to be a mother, because I felt like I needed to go back to the drawing board and say, what does it mean to be a mom, right? And so then I defined it as being able to nurture and raise a child, period. There was no DNA attached to it because I said, you know what? If I'm gonna be a mom, then um, I need to know what a mom is to me because everybody that's going through this journey, trying to conceive and having difficulty may not define mom the same way that I do, right? I know people who feel like, I need to have my own biological child. And I, you know, it's not the same. I didn't feel that way. Maybe it's because of the fact that I was in foster care and that I was adopted. And so that I feel like a family is like loving and raising a, a little human, right. <laughs> into, right. As your and, child.
1: Okay. That, I mean, that's, that's, I want to like go off into all of that about foster care. I'd love to have you on again to get some input on that, but I can see how there'd be different layers of the need to have your own child when you didn't have the genetic connection to those that genetically gave you life yeah. and feelings don't have to make sense, right? Like, right. it may not be rational all the time, what we put ourselves through, mm-hmm. but when people say, oh, well, you could just adopt, well, that's just as expensive as IVF. Yes. Exactly. And stealing <laughs> could come with jail time, which is super expensive, <laughs> right? You know, like, exactly. these are not easy button things. Mm -hmm. And when people haven't walked through this kind of thing, and there's a million different experiences, plus a billion trillion experiences people have that it's really easy just to spit out what we think, because from our experience, Mm -hmm. then to really sit with somebody and go, what are your choices? What are your options? What does it feel like for you? What is it that you need? And how is I in your village to steal the line from your TEDx talk? Notice that little subtle plug to the X talk, right? That it does take a village of support Mm -hmm. emotionally to help that be a better process. And so even if we don't necessarily agree with other people's choices on how, Mm -hmm. what path they're taking, if we love someone, we're going to ask, how can I show up for you? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's such. Such, uh, I love it. Thank you for teaching me new words: expediting and transfer. I will find little retrieval. subtle ways. Retrieval. Retrieval. Yeah, retrieval. Retrieval. Okay. Retrieval. retrieval. Yes, retrieval. Right. Sorry, I have my notes here. Retrieval. Because now I'm going to uh, see if those are sex-enhancing words um, with Mr. Loverman. <laughs> just because I've had a through it, but I might just find funny ways to put him in conversation. So after your date, you're going to have a. <laughs> Maybe with just IVF moms, you know, inside joke, inside joke, right? right. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, uh, appreciate that you let us see into this. And um, I'm sure that your son, Todd, is worth everything you went through to get him. And it's uh, <laughs> such a freak. Um Because being a parent is such an amazing gift. And, You don't have to go through hell to get them to appreciate them. But maybe for some of us, that was just what we needed. And all those questions get answered at some point, I believe. And I have I have questions for God on on some of that, but I can't regret it because it's who we become, the giving women that we are. And I appreciate you having the courage to reach back. And I hope that both your talk which is awesome. And this will help others. Um, not only learn the vocabulary of IVF, but have some more courage if that's the path that they need to take. Yes. Any indeed. final thoughts, my my new dear
0: friend? Uh, I think if I would, were to leave a final thought, I would just say, you know, everybody that's listening may not be trying to get pregnant or have a child, right? Um, but you do want something. And so if you still want it, despite what obstacles you have encountered, I believe that you can still
1: have it. You may just need to try again. I love it. Such a, such a good little mic drop moment there. You know, you can still have it. Just keep trying. And failure is something we're so afraid of having, but every successful person is Mickey Rooney. One of my favorite quotes is you always pass failure on your way to success. Mm-hmm. So I like to say I'm insanely successful because doing I this love it. over and over again is a definition of insanity. So getting pregnant 10 times to get two living children is probably crazy to most people, but I'm got to, to define what success looks like to me and I love it. And, um, I hope we, uh, if you do have another, because I'm in Utah, we'll celebrate that. But if you don't, you get to celebrate what you have and it's your choice. And I love that. So thank you so much for coming on to this episode of share your hotness with my guest Shahara Hutchinson. Shara Hutchinson. Shara Hutchinson. Ah! Thank you for having me. (laughs) Eventually, I'll get it right. All right. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for
0: another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Ben Garrett Media.